1: Hey, Ragers, Madigan here. This week, we are talking about eating disorders, a mental illness which, as you will learn, has the highest mortality rate of any other mental illness. If you or anyone you know are struggling with an eating disorder or symptoms of an eating disorder, stay tuned to the end of the episode where I will be sharing information on where to find help. If you know now that you need support, call the National Eating Disorder Association helpline now at 800-931-2237 or visit their website at nationaleatingdisorders.org. Ray, on, everyone. Hi, I'm Keegan.
0: And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry, Angry Neighborhood, Neighborhood feminist. feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives.
1: And we're not doctors, guys, especially with this episode. We are not experts. We are not doctors. We just want to clarify that really yeah. quick. We'll <laughs> link some resources in our show notes for... People you can
0: actually reach out to, yes, for and give you actual medical advice. Yeah, absolutely. But we are just here to kind of have an open conversation, open the door. If you're uh, struggling with any of these issues, Um we've got some personal experience
1: here to lean on. So uh, let's get started. Let's do it. So today we are talking all about eating disorders. And um, I'm going to kind of get into some of the technical stuff. And also, I'm sure a lot of my own personal experience is going to be popping up. And yeah, let's see where where we can get started. Is there any statistics, Keegan, that you want to start out with? Sure. Okay, so here are some general statistics.
0: At least 30 million people of all ages and genders suffer from an eating disorder. And when they say at least 30 million people, I feel like eating disorders are kind of one of those things that are very difficult to track because so much of statistics are based on self-reporting. Yes. And if you are not open and out about your eating disorder, people may not even know. I mean, I I think that that's pretty standard. So it says 30 million. and And when we look at that number as well, I think... The definition of eating disorder is so broad. And there are so many different
1: kinds. Right, And yeah. it's growing and growing every day. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So take that number with a grain of salt. Yeah. Every 62 minutes, at least one person dies as a direct result from an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Eating disorders have the highest mortality rate of any mental illness. 13% of women over 50 engage in eating disorder behaviors. And again, I would argue that that number is even higher.
1: Yeah, it's crazy the amount of people, because I think you think of older women and men as being more adjusted, stable, Mm set in their ways. I was in treatment with a lot of quote-unquote older women. I was in treatment with a woman who was like in her 80s. Who had been struggling forever and I and also women in their, you know, in their seventies and sixties and mothers, grandmothers. Like it was really sad to see because these are women who had been struggling since they were really young. Yeah. Well,
0: and to me, I think that kind of makes sense because older women or women from an older generation, I think a lot of these eating disorder habits that we all fall into, or restrictive eating habits, um, People didn't realize that that's what it was, or that it yeah. could cause these kinds of like major, major issues. Well, it
1: was a societal norm, you right. know. Just yeah. watching, you know, watching Mad Men and things like that. You know, calling your kids fat or like restricting what they're eating and things like that. Like Look there at, was no, there was no knowledge behind yeah. these things. You just did it because that's you what looked, you thought you're supposed to do. Even if you
0: looked at the advertising.
1: Oh, yeah. Of that time. They
0: basically just body shamed you into, like, getting skinnier and skinnier. And yeah. so you continued that
1: trend throughout your entire
0: life. It makes sense
1: that you and would there be And the yeah, right? there wasn't the help. Yeah, there wasn't the help in the resources at the time. Like we've talked about in the past with new kind of mental illnesses, they just slapped a label on you and threw you in a psychiatric hospital and you had to deal with it there. They didn't have the resources. Like, in last episode, I talked about Carolyn Coston and her amazing treatment center, Montanito. There wasn't a place like that until the, I believe that opened in the 90s, where it was like a home setting, you mm-hmm. know, that wasn't, it wasn't available. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So it makes sense that people would, when they finally realize that they need treatment, they may be a little bit older. Yeah. So, and then
1: they're so set in their ways and it's so hard to To break see. that cycle. It's so
0: hard to and see. And then, isn't it so sad whenever you think about it being like, there are mothers and grandmothers and you think about how much they've passed on those traits probably to their daughters and their granddaughters. Well, and also
1: there's a lot of those mothers, too, that will you'll see their kids come in and just be like very 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 strong because they're like I don't want to be like my mom yeah you know and things like that which I think is you know it's a really bad way of showing like look you don't want this lifestyle but then there are also a lot of families where it runs in the family and that's something that I also read too that I'd never heard of that it could potentially be Somewhat genetic just because of, um, you know, depression and anxiety and some of those things can be genetic. And to me, I feel like eating disorders are very much a um, like a symptom of those things. Mm-hmm. It's a way to cope with those things yeah. in a lot of ways. So that doesn't surprise me that it's in a way genetic And when you have a mom that's telling you, oh, honey, put that, you know, no more ice cream for you. That's fine. Or if you don't, if you see her hating her body Mm -hmm. or her not eating certain foods, that does send a really loud message of how you're supposed to live your life. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot of times
0: really, really um, disheartening and discouraging. I, I know a family back in my hometown and the mother of this family, she's got three kids, like one boy, two girls, and she is so focused on their physical appearance to the point where I'm concerned about yeah. her children. Like she went in and took her son out of a birthday party because she found out he'd had pizza and like took him home. Like That's so hard. Pulled harmful. him out of a Birthday party, surrounded by his peers, took him home and punished him at home. That
1: is so messed up. It's
0: so messed up, and it it makes me so worried about these kids. Yeah, like for their that mental they're, health. They're
1: setting. She is setting up a pathway for very disordered eating because either they're going to continue to restrict their food. And be very um, strict about what they eat, or they're going to go the complete opposite way, and they're going to use food as a crutch, as a way to and to heal themselves mm-hmm. by overeating. Mm-hmm. You know, that's either way, that is an unhealthy relationship with food that she's creating, and that's yeah. going to be her fault.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so here's another. In a large national study of college students, 3.5 sexual minority women and 2.1 of sexual minority men reported having an eating disorder. What is sexual sexual minority? minority, I'm guessing that means um, someone in the LGBTQ community.
1: Okay. I've met a lot of lesbians through the eating disorder community. My first roommate ever was um, a lesbian in my first treatment center. And I think because they deal with feelings sometimes in their families of shame and Mm -hmm. guilt and things like that for families that are maybe not as accepting. And um, like I had another roommate who was Mormon and Mm -hmm. had those feelings. And she, you know, of course, there was so much shame that went along with that. And shame can pop up in many ways when you can't deal with your like gayness. You're going to deal with your food and feelings of shame and guilt around your food. Well, and I think sometimes it can also be
0: an issue of perfectionism, Mm -hmm. where you're saying okay, I can't be the perfect daughter to you in these other ways. And I know I'm going to disappoint you in these yeah. other ways, but maybe if I just look perfect or I look like, yeah. you know, And a for way. a
1: lot of people, you know, people will try that and it doesn't become a full blown eating disorder. And that's the thing is that there is a lot to do with perfectionism and control. And if you're the type of person that has those tendencies, you are definitely more at risk, I feel like, for in a disorder like this. But, you know, there are people who are like, I'm going to, I'm going to try to be the, best in this way and it just doesn't work Mm -hmm. you know they just don't i guess quote unquote succeed in that whatever Mm -hmm. um it's those people that kind of have that those uh tendencies and some it's kind of a perfect storm i feel like there's never just one reason that you have an eating disorder and that's why it's so hard to treat because it's not about the food it's about the things that are happening in your life that you can't cope with and without thinking about it like i was never like Oh, I'm going to use this to cope with my shit. Mm-hmm. That wasn't it. And that's why you hear people say, I just wanted to be thinner. You know what I yeah. mean? That's not what it's about. Yeah. And, there's, and that takes a long time to accept and to understand why you do the things that you do. Yeah. And you may not know all the reasons because you've lived a full life. There could be reasons that you don't remember or mm-hmm. small little factors that have played into it. Yeah. For me, it was a perfect storm. Yeah. You know, it just made sense. And that was kind of, for me, my last really harmful uh, endeavor that I went down until I feel that I've become a healthy person. I mean, Mm -hmm. I lived a very self-harming, self-deprecating life until I was almost 21 years old. And the eating disorder is the last thing. It was the first, like, really physical thing that you could see and could be fixed, and I went through treatment, and I did it 100%, and I got better. And um, so thank- I'm very thankful for my eating disorder in a lot of ways, and that's one of the ways, because I don't think I ever would have gotten better in other ways if it hadn't been for my right. eating disorder. Right, it healed you in a way. Like, it did. I mean, it fucked me the fuck yeah, up. Yeah, it could have killed you, or it could have, like, Yeah, I mean, you. it was bad. <laughs> it was yeah. not good. But, um, you know, because I got through it, it saved me, you know? Kind of touching on this um, sexual minority mm-hmm. um.
0: I do feel like it is, well, anorexia has been on the rise among men in general, yep. but I also feel like in gay communities yeah. for gay men, oh, yes. being so image conscious uh-huh. is a big part yes. of, of that community in I've a lot of ways. i also a lot of gay men. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I, you know, listen, I did a lot of musical theater, so yeah. a lot of my friends growing up uh, were gay. and. Yeah. They were very, very
1: conscious of their bodies because that's how the the gay community I feel like is so. I mean, I'm not a gay man. I can't. Right, we're speaking speak as, as straight women. But here. from what I've heard from my friends, the gay community is so strict about how you look, and if you want to find love, you feel like you have to look a certain yes. way. Yeah. Like I was friends with this guy in treatment the first time who like because we were allowed our phones in our in my first treatment center, mm-hmm. and he would like we'd be out back smoking cigarettes, and he'd be like on Grinder, like looking for like mm-hmm. men nearby for his Next, like outing and things like that, and he was like, "I can't let them see me like this. Like, I really want to meet these guys, but I can't let them see me." And so, the next statistic here is sixteen percent of transgender college
0: students reported having an eating disorder. That doesn't surprise
1: me at all, and I'm sure there's way more. Again, sixteen is very
0: low. I, I feel like these statistics, while they're good to have, as I said before, they're probably highly inaccurate.
1: Well, right, because if you think about someone who's transgender. They are already very uncomfortable in their bodies, and especially if you are trying to, you know, if you're a transgender woman, if you're maybe trying to create a more womanly shape, restricting could, you know... Do that for you. You feel like Mm -hmm. restriction could do that for you. If you're a transgender man, maybe you feel like restricting, you know, it'll get rid of your breasts, it'll um, get rid of your period, things like that. And that could seem very um, ideal to you. So that doesn't surprise me at all, and I'm sure the numbers are much higher. Yeah. Yeah. In a study following active-duty military personnel over time,
0: 5.5% of women and 4% of men had an eating disorder at the beginning of the study. And within just a few years of continued service, 3.3% more women and 2.6% more men developed an eating disorder. That's very interesting. That that actually doesn't surprise me. I mean, it surprised me at first. Like, I I was like, oh, I'm surprised that they even looked at active-duty military. But being from a military family and having gone, like, I was in, I was in the JROTC. I went to boot camp, like, week-long boot camp, um, that simulated what it was like to actually be in boot camp. It can be, while I think it was very good for me in many ways, and, helped me understand my mental strength in many ways.
1: It can be very demoralizing. Well, then also someone in active duty at times can be traumatized yeah, by and things. If and if trauma are, is a yes. big, big right. factor in eating
0: disorders. And you can feel like there is this feeling whenever you're in boot camp or in the military, I feel like, of losing control or needing to be in control in, yeah. in both ways. And yeah. you might find that this is a way you can do it that you won't get screamed at. You know yeah. what I mean? You can't make your bed the way that you you want to. You have to... Everything has to be so perfect. Like yeah. You have to... You start,
1: you start leading those um, perfect things into other parts of your life and being yeah. picky about it. Yeah, that yeah. perfectionism
0: gets insane. I mean, like, we would have our bunks checked and it was like your bed had to have... Like, the corners of your bed had to be yep. hospital corners. You had yep. to have, like, one inch between every hanger in your closet oh and just God. crazy things like that. Yeah, I totally get that. Um... And then the next one, of course, eating disorders affect all races and ethnic
1: groups. Mm -hmm. Um, Although it's always seen as very, like, middle class white women. I'll talk more about that. (laughs) I feel like also with most
0: mental health issues, and this is something that I think deserves its own um, episode, there's a stigma against mental health in a lot of communities of color. Yes. So in the black community, because that's something that I can kind of speak to, I doubt that it would be talked about if you yeah. did have an eating disorder. And yeah. it might not look like the same kind of traditional eating disorder that we always see. Either. Yes. You that's know? I
1: mean, that's the thing, is that you don't have to look a certain way and the way that they are showed in the media is very uh it's very one dimensional. Yeah. There's not a lot there's not a spectrum there. Yeah. And then when you're done with statistics, I'll kind of go through all the different eating disorders and what they contained. I'm pretty much done.
0: This just says genetics, environmental factors, and personality traits Mm. all combine to
1: create risk for an eating disorder. Yeah, it's like it's really, I I mean, if you are a person that is at risk it can mean many different things. It's not, you know, a a formula. So I'm going to kind of go through a list real quick of what these different eating disorders are and Mm -hmm. this is a very short list. Like I said, these definitions and names are growing all the time because everybody is individual and everybody kind of has their own issues. So Uh, The most commonly known one, I'm sure, is anorexia nervosa. It is a lack of maintenance of a healthy body weight and an obsessive fear of gaining weight. It can cause menstruation to stop. And for years, up until recently, in order for it to be diagnosed, a loss of period was required. What? And that's kind of messed up because then you don't feel like you're sick enough. That's a big thing in the eating disorder community. Am I sick enough? Am I sick? No, I'm not sick enough to go get help. To me, that is
0: so harmful. It is. It's incredibly harmful. To have a
1: benchmarker.
0: And you know what? I feel like whenever I've looked into other uh, mental illnesses or things that are in, like, the DSM, there is always a benchmarker of, like, well, you're not this because you don't have this one specific trait of this, so you can't be diagnosed with it.
1: Yeah, they can say you have anorexic tendencies, but you're not technically anorexic. But everyone's body is different. Uh, I know. I feel
0: like you could be deeply in the throes of anorexia and still get your period up to a point.
1: Yeah, and you know? I I I did. Like I lost my period shortly before I went to treatment the first time. I think there was only I think I'd only skipped a few and then I got it back and then I was sick I got sick right away when I left and then I lost it again and then it, I got my period back the second time in treatment as well. Where but there are some have to people go that
0: far? Like if you recognize you need help and you're still having a period, then that it shouldn't matter.
1: No, it doesn't, and that's why I'm glad that they did fix that. Mm-hmm. Because don't don't determine whether or not you need help, whether or not you have blood between your legs or not. Like you need yeah. help. Yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. So um, another um, side effect of anorexia is bone loss, bone density loss. Mm-hmm. It's really easy for you to break a bone. Um, your teeth get really brittle. And we both just, like, touched yeah. our teeth. And we were like, oh, <laughs> shit. Instinct, like, oh. Yeah. Your skin integrity. I mean, my my coloring was different. My skin felt different. I started getting acne. Like, my whole – I had never had pimples in high school. Like, mm-hmm. I would get one or two every once in a while, and suddenly I had acne. And it was mm-hmm. just – it was bizarre. It stresses the heart a lot, so you are at a high risk of heart attacks and other um, heart-related problems. Your heart rate lowers. Your blood pressure lowers – and your body has diff- difficulty regulating temperature. So if you see somebody who has anorexia, typically they're always bundled up. It can be hot out, and they're still bundling up because their body can't regulate temperature. Mm-hmm. So that is a, that's a big thing. And um, <clears throat> like I said earlier, it could be related to biological and genetic components. They are still doing a lot of research because this, is, this disorder does have the highest mortality rate. Mm-hmm. So the more information we get, the better. So I'm glad that people are doing... Well, I research. think, you know, genetic, of course, and then, you know, environmental factors
0: and societal factors. Mm-hmm. It's that nature versus nurture debate, you know? Well, I, and, and I think it's both. I think yeah. it's always both. It's always both. But I would argue that I don't know if I know... I don't want to say that I don't think I know anyone, but I think I know very few people, particularly girls, in my life who have not struggled with restrictive eating Mm -hmm. or disordered eating.
1: Well, that's the thing is that there is a spectrum of it, and that's why it is so important to learn about it, because you don't need to necessarily have anorexia or bulimia to fall into this category, and that's why I feel that it's a feminist issue is because we have all as women and men, I'm sure, too, at times, these thoughts cross our mind. And for me, a lot of it is societal. And that's why it's so important to talk about, because we don't want those thoughts to turn into action, to turn into serious problems. And I
0: would say, I mean, just real talk, I have those thoughts every single day. Yeah, Like, I think about being thinner, or not just thinner, but like looking a certain way, every day and like because what we think way? it's
1: i mean it's ridiculous to me because we think it's easier to hate ourselves than it is to work right i mean and well, that's not i'm not saying you're being like lazy like oh it's just easier for that but it's like it, it's something that we've been told is acceptable to complain about our weight complain about our size things like that that's something that we have seen acceptable by society to um you know, be like, oh my gosh, I'm like so fat. I'm eating pizza. Oh my God. Right. Or just
0: this need or desire to, I mean, it comes on hard every summer where I'm just like, I want to look really good in a swimsuit.
1: Yeah, And by what
0: definition, you know, is is that?
1: And because, and that's the other thing is that like, we always want to look so good for other people and ourselves. And it's one of those things like no one else is going to be, noticing you know what I mean no one's gonna think that you're superior because you look a certain way in a swimsuit and I've learned to be empowered because when I'm in a swimsuit I feel good about me Mm -hmm. so I don't need to compare myself to other people because in my mind I'm like maybe that person is really struggling and I'm not struggling you know I can I can feel comfortable in my skin and it's super fucking hard to go through that but um you know, practicing radical self-love every day is the harder thing to do, and I truly believe in doing the harder thing. Yeah. And not seeing it as some, some unattainable thing, because it's totally possible. It
0: is. It's it's super, super hard, though. Like, I follow um, Body Posse Panda on Instagram. Oh, I love her. Which, if you don't follow her, she's amazing. She's should, the best. You should absolutely follow her. And I do feel so empowered by looking at totally normal bodies in swimsuits. She has rolls and cellulite. And it's such a weird disconnect because I can look at that on other people and think it's beautiful, but I
1: cannot do that for myself. Like yeah. I, I can't do it for myself. I, I hear you. It's really, really fucking hard. And that's something, and that's where, you know, that's why it's so important to talk about these things. And I'm, I'm going to keep talking about the different yeah. disorders and also knowing the health risks and things like that are hopefully to you something that scares you. Um, I'll get into more of how that affected me when I'm done going through the list. Mm -hmm. So um, bulimia nervosa, another really common eating disorder, one that everybody really knows about, it's typically a binge and purge type of disorder. In my experience, I restricted, and then when I did eat, I would purge. Um, And so everyone seems to kind of have their own definition of what a binge is. Because in my mind, something that you know, it's is not a binge, would be a binge in mm-hmm. my mind. So then I would feel like I would have to throw it up. Um, and then there are people that that do truly binge and then purge. And something that a lot of people don't realize about this particular disorder, where anorexia is a slow burn. It can take a very long time for you to die from it. Bulimia, by making yourself throw up, you could try it once and you can die. There are complications that can happen. It is incredibly dangerous to make yourself throw up. Also, purging doesn't just mean self-induced vomiting. It can mean excessive use of laxatives and diuretics and excessive exercise. Um, They also may, you know, fast and restrict their eating and kind of, there's usually kind of a cycle where you, you know, restrict so much and then you end up having a binge and then you have to purge because you binged. So then you fast and then it's this horrible circle of things. And on kind of that, I know a little later on we're going to talk about things like
0: uh, fitspiration, thinspiration, pro uh-huh. and things like that. Um, but that's kind of one of the things that's an issue with the whole like fitspiration yeah. situation because, I mean, they have. S- Slogans that are like, it's always too early to quit, like pain is fuel, skinny might look good in clothes, but fit looks good naked. So you have these, first of all,
1: you're pitting women against each other exactly. for their body types. But then, All of that makes me want to vomit on this microphone right now.
0: Right. And there was a 1995 paper from an international journal of eating disorders and examined 110 patients that had been admitted to an eating disorders program Thirty-one percent qualified as compulsive exercisers. Yep. Compulsive exercise is higher among anore- anorexia patients than bulimia patients, but to me, it is still a
1: form of bulimia. You're it trying is. to like out exercise the calories. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I was I was a mathematician when I had my eating disorder. Mm-hmm. I knew exactly how many calories are in my food, and I knew exactly what I had to do to. Um, get rid of it and I didn't like I wasn't I'm not that smart you know what I mean and that's the thing is that labels are also really misleading on your food you never really know and that's not to scare you that's just to be like you can't have as much control over it as you think you can and you know you might read that oh sit-ups can can get rid of X amount of calories you don't know that you know what i mean so we that's a way for people to make up for it and it takes over your entire life Mm -hmm. especially with excessive exercise i mean especially with all of these eating disorders but excessive exercise takes so much time yeah like i had a mother friend who was like i spent my last day before treatment in a gym and not spending it with my son yeah and that was something that was so hard for her because she was away from her son for months and she was like i spent my last day in a gym yeah trying I mean, to get that last bit in
0: before I had that, to throw it away that you know really breaks my heart for her because it's a compulsion like you couldn't help it yeah. like you really couldn't And like, there so is still you can't beat yourself up about
1: that I know but it's it's still it's,
0: I understand why I understand you know, it because yeah. you get you start getting healthy and then you start seeing all the ways in which maybe you've hurt people exactly and I understand that that's a process but it just
1: breaks my heart because yeah. it's like you couldn't it's a compulsion like yeah. that's what it means like yeah. that's what a compulsion is exactly um, so some uh, side effects to bulimia, bloating, dehydration, fainting, seizures, fatigue, dry skin, irregular heartbeat, amenorrhea, which is loss of period. I said it right. <laughs> Tingling in hands or feet. Stomach acid can erode the enamel of your teeth, leading to decay. The esophagus becomes raw and inflamed, and forceful vomiting has the potential to rupture the esophagus. Um, for Just like all eating disorders, electrolyte imbalances are in, an important thing to remember, and it can also lead to kidney failure. So there's bulimia is scary as fuck because you're putting your body through so much physical damage. And a lot of times people who are bulimic, it's not as physically obvious as anorexia is. Mm -hmm. It's a much more hidden, kinda dirty little secret that I feel like people get away with for much longer.
0: People notice when you don't eat. They don't really notice whenever you eat And then excuse yourself, you know, because, like, that's a normal, like, lots of people do that. You know, you're at a restaurant, you have a meal with your friends or whatever, and then, like, you're like, oh, I need to use the restroom. Yeah. Like, that's that's
1: perfectly normal, and I feel like that could go on for a really long time. It can go on for a really long time, and it's really dangerous, and I feel like for a lot of people, that's a really hard eating disorder to get over because it's such a physical thing of throwing up. It's not just eating your food. It's it's keeping it down. Mm Mm-hmm. And so that's really hard for a lot of people. The next eating disorder I'm going to talk about is binge eating disorder, which is finally kind of getting the attention that it deserves. Uh, We used to just call people obese Mm -hmm. and not look at why Mm -hmm. they're gaining weight. It is recurring binge eating at least once a week over a period of three months while experiencing lack of control. And that's what the DSM-5 classifies it as. Something that's interesting that I've heard Of from my binge eating friends is that they almost go into like a trance, like it's this weird state of mind when they're like, Oh my gosh, I was at the grocery store and I don't even remember all this stuff. I just grabbed things and then I love that. (laughs) It does get so much worse, Karen. It does, it's all good. And then they get home and it's like they're in this whirlwind. They don't, it's like they're not themselves, it's like an out of body experience. Well, yeah, I would say anyone who just blindly judges
0: people who are maybe super morbidly obese or anything like that, watch, like, two episodes of My 600 Hundred Pound Life. Yeah. And then you'll just be like, okay, like, no one is choosing that. Yes, and there's
1: clearly, there are psychological things that are behind that that we can't See, We just see the person, and it's so easy to shame them or to just tell them to lose weight or restrict their and food. It's, it's and it's super hard. About, it's, a, it's all a mind-body connection. You can't force someone to completely change their bodies yeah. without it being unhealthy. And I feel like it's such a thing of, like,
0: we need to reprogram our brains because I think it's really, really hard to... Even whenever we watch that show, I think it's really hard to be like wanting to shake them and be like, "Why can't you just do this? Like, why can't you just stop eating?" Yeah. But there's obviously something deeper going on. No one wants that. Like, no one wants
1: that to become their whole life. it's crazy because, like that, if you go across the board and talk to anybody in a treatment center and you talk to them about what. Like, what did you want to get out of your eating disorder? If they're really in, like, still their kind of sick minds, they all just want to be thin. They all just want to be pretty. They all just want to be accepted. doesn't matter if you're anorexic, bulimic, or if you have a binge eating disorder. It doesn't matter what you look like on that spectrum. Most of the time, people are going to give you the same surface answer answer Mm -hmm. that that's what they want. And so, you know, I would have conversations with somebody when I was – ill who was binge eating you could never understand what i'm going through they would say to me and i'm and i was like my brain is working the same as yours is right now i can't understand maybe the symptom and there are things in your life that i can't understand but at the end of the day both of us are struggling to cope with the same thing and that's body acceptance Mm -hmm. and that's eating our food and mending our minds and trying to live better lives yeah so really quick i'm gonna go through uh orthorexia so orthorexia is a term used by Stephen Bratman to characterize an obsession with a pure diet in which people develop an obsession with avoiding healthy, unhealthy foods to the point where it interferes with a person's life. And this is something that is such a socially acceptable thing. Exactly. And yeah. it's fucked up. Like, if you see someone who's just really picky about what they eat and, and use words— I'm going to kind of mention some words really quick that people use that are— um, I'm sorry to be blunt, but stupid. <laughs> um, detox, stupid. Using good and bad foods, like those that language, it's stupid. Saying clean eating, low carb, or I don't eat sugar and gluten free. There's so much to that, which I, I have little notes underneath each. And I feel like if I don't get to talk about it, I'll at least take a screenshot and post it Um you know, because, like, especially with detox, the idea that certain foods or nutrients will speed up or enhance your body's detoxification process is just silly, says dietitian Monica Rain- rainagel And um, it's the same thing with clean eating. The definition is so broad, it can mean different things to different people. By implying that there are clean foods, you're also implying that there are dirty foods. Mm-hmm. You know, these, these words that are so commonly used in society are so harmful and we don't realize it. And... um, we just really need to be careful about the, the words that we use around others because we never know what the effect is going to be. Right. I mean, and the thing is, with
0: stuff like this and with, you know, fitspiration and things like that, all of this, I think, typically comes from a place of wanting to be healthier or yeah. fitter. And I don't think that there's necessarily anything wrong with that like we should all be as long as you
1: have a healthy mindset around it we
0: should all be striving to be healthier
1: yeah and that's the thing is that you can focus on eating a a variety of foods instead of labeling it as i'm gonna detox or i'm gonna eat clean maybe think of it in your mind as i'm gonna start broadening my variety of food Mm -hmm. i'm not just gonna be eating you know chips. You know, I love chips, but you know, I think I need to create more of a variety. I can still eat my chips, but then I'm also going to add other foods into it as well and not label them as good or bad. Well, and I think also what's, what's right for you is
0: not necessarily right for someone else. And like, I think that's the problem whenever we have these major, major fad diets is Mm -hmm. that what works for one person to help get them to a healthy place won't necessarily help you get you to a
1: healthy place. Yes, and this is the thing about... Hey guys, it's Madigan. I'm so sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to interject and let you guys know that since we are using the word healthy a lot this episode, I want you guys to be aware that healthy means something different for everybody, and it's definitely something that you and your doctors should be discussing. We definitely don't want you to think that we are using the word healthy just to mean what society is saying that healthy is. I really wanted to drive that home so that none of you guys are judging yourselves or thinking that we're judging you in any sort of way. I'm super paranoid. I'm so sorry. Okay, get back to the show. All right, bye. Yes, and this is the thing about diets and that I have a real problem with is that typically they don't work. Mm -hmm. They are not meant to be sustainable. That's not what a diet is. They are meant to be a form of temporary weight loss that's going to claim that you're going to take the weight off and keep it off. It's also redefining what That means for you, because it is really it's about variety. And um, this is something that like, you know, moderation is incredibly important and not restricting your body from anything and creating a different picture in your mind of what healthy means to Mm -hmm. you. And not putting such pressure on yourself to change your body forever. Because the way that your body is naturally when you are in a healthy mind state is perfect. Mm-hmm. It is. You don't have to be any other way. We don't owe being pretty to anybody. Yeah. We don't owe being thin to anybody. We don't owe wearing makeup to anybody. We don't owe that. That is not our right as women. We are not put on this earth to be pretty. Yes. I
0: I agree with you. And I think that we have talked about this before about having a whole episode Because I do feel like there are two sides to that coin as well where I feel like people think that wearing makeup or like doing these other things are it it is the rent you pay as a woman to exist in the world. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you can't wear it. And it, it doesn't mean you can't wear it. I love wearing makeup. For yeah. me, it's it's a form Because of, you love it. Right. It's a form of artistic expression. But you don't owe it to anybody. I enjoy I enjoy my transformations. Yes. I enjoy the ways in which I can and make like my look different. You know, I love that and I think it's really like fun. Um I think it's just like anything else. Just like body image. Just like um, body hair, just like any of and anything else, you can do whatever you want to do. Just have your eyes open about the ways in which society maybe has pressured us to feel one way or another. Exactly, and make exactly. sure you're doing it because you want to do it. In fact, for me with makeup, Anthony, I actually get upset with him sometimes because he's like. You shouldn't wear makeup. You don't need to wear makeup. And I'm like, like I'm not shut doing up.
1: this for you. I'm yeah, doing, I'm doing it this for me. me because
0: I enjoy it. Exactly. You
1: know? And you don't owe it to the world not to wear makeup, right? You know and what I mean. That's what I mean. You don't owe you don't owe anything to, to anybody. anyone. Yeah, you don't exactly have right. a debt to society yeah. to look a certain way, exactly. and that's something that we need to remember. And that's something that on days where I'm going through my closet and I'm like, I don't look good in anything. I don't look good today. Yeah, I, clothes are not like I can't I don't find the outfit bad. that I need, and I'm like, but I don't owe it to anybody. Am I okay? I'm wearing clothes, and I'm going to go to work. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, yeah. at the end I mean, of the day, I
0: have. I have, like, skin problems. Like, I have, like, dark marks, and I feel like I have to... I struggle a lot with feeling like I don't look good without makeup. But there are days when I'm just like, you know what? I really can't be bothered. Like, I'm going to go to the store today. I'm not going to put makeup on. Am I a little bit, like, self-conscious?
1: Yeah, I'm a little bit self-conscious, but you know what? And, who it's, cares? and it's good to get yourself out of your comfort zone. These people you know? don't, aren't looking at me either. Nope. So it's like, who cares? Oh, and for me, it's the opposite. Like, when I'm super dressed up, I feel self-conscious mm-hmm. because I'm typically not dressed up. So I feel like people are, like, paying more attention to me, and that mm-hmm. makes me feel uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. We could have way... I mean, we're going to talk a lot about that kind of stuff in our in our body image-specific episode as well. Yeah. Um, I want to start talking about... Well, okay. So I, I'm going to go through the last couple disorders really quick, um, excessive exercise. We talked about that. And then I want to talk about something called not otherwise specified. And that's actually the title of my thesis film that I did for school. Oh, okay. So that is when you do not fall under any DSM-5 criteria. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was incredibly damaging. Mm -hmm. Because when I got my period back... You're like, oh, I don't have anorexia. I was ednos. So I was like... I had lost my identity. It was really hard for me to cope with. And that was that label that they gave me was very hard for me to cope with and spurred my eating disorder even further. Watch, I'm gonna get even sicker this time and see right. what, see what happens, you know. And for me, my eating disorder started off as vainly as possible. I was 18, I wanted to look young, I wanted to get a job at, at Disney Channel, and I wanted to be As pretty and perfect as the other girls in my class, as womanly looking as the other girls in my class. I think and yeah, I think also because you and I have this kind of,
0: like, common bond link through we're actors. Yeah. And I think that that adds, like, such a more complicated dimension. It does. Because... Not only is there a pressure to be beautiful, but there's also a pressure to be young. Yes. And, like, look—and I struggle with that even now. Like, looking—the older I get, the more panicked I am about, like, oh, I need to to look younger. Yeah. And one way to do that is to remain very, very small. Like, the smaller you are, the more you can get away with.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, and then the other thing, too, is that I feel like, you know, I started school eight years ago, even within eight years— our society in this industry has changed yes, a lot. Yes. Thank goodness. So we have to, you know, remember that this was a while ago. And so I had teachers that were applauding me and really, really liked the differences that my body was making. And because I have a history of anxiety, depression, and self-harm, it became not only a, a vain thing, but it kind of became a suicide plan for me. This was that was how I was going to mm-hmm. die. And I I had made peace with that with myself and it's there is nothing vain about an eating disorder. There's nothing glamorous about it. I had the most boring life. I spent I had no energy. I couldn't even go to the store without feeling like I was going to faint. Mm-hmm. I laid down in bed with my computer on. I would watch TV being terrified of my kitchen terrified like i would have like what i called nightmares at the time of me eating large amounts of food Mm -hmm. i would have you know nightmares about my refrigerator being in my bedroom when i woke up you know things that sound so silly but i was living in constant agony and constant prison that was my body i couldn't the first time my mom took me for an intake for treatment i could not even get up the stairs For that. Yeah. I I barely even remember it. They literally sat me in the chair. I think the intake lasted two minutes. Yeah. And they were like, we got to get her somewhere. I ended up in the hospital that night, and the next day I was in treatment. It's such a weird thing for me to talk about with you because I was friends
0: with you whenever you went into treatment, and I didn't know where you went. Like, Because you were just unreachable, like, one day. And I feel really bad, and I feel like I have a lot of guilt still because I didn't know. Like I knew that you were thin, but I kind of just thought that you were I just thought that you were
1: thin. Like but how just, would you know? That's the thing. Never well, I mean, we, we spent a lot of time together and it and But it's not your but it was never your job to monitor it. You no, know what I mean? It's I
0: I know, but it was one of those things where I was just like, how could I not have known? Like you stayed over with me. And we, I, and you did do things like we would, I would make pasta and you would be like, let's just split this one box of pasta. And I'd be like, okay, fine. Like to me, yeah. it just wasn't like a big deal. And there are things that I look back on that I'm like, oh, these were all signs that you, you were in crisis. And I well, didn't know. You I didn't also
1: know. helped me a lot because when I was with you, I, I would eat more. And um, it was still very little amounts, but it was more more than when I was by myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was also really abusing laxatives. Mm -hmm. I was uh, really abusing diuretics. And after my first time in treatment, I was purging as well. And again, like I said, it's a very silent thing. I would excuse myself to my car. I didn't have to express to everybody. And it was kind of when my mom started noticing, because she lived in Minnesota. She couldn't see me every day and see how I was changing but she was noticing things as well, and she was the one that um, kind, of like, kind of finally intervened and, along with a friend of mine. And they were like, if you don't get help, like, he was like, I'm going to tell your mom. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, please don't tell my mom. And, and once I had finally kind of accepted to myself that I had an eating disorder, it was almost like... That almost gave me more right to do the bad things that I was doing. Right. And it almost made me feel more like, fuck you. I'm going to do whatever I want. You can't Mm -hmm. tell me what to do. Um, I lived an incredibly isolating life. And it fucking sucked. Yeah. So, yeah. It's very bizarre for me to talk about because it doesn't feel i'm I am not the same person, people say oh, that all the right. time, no, but it's so it's so easy for me to talk about because it almost feels like I'm talking a about person. a little sister or something, and I can kind of like like I still feel attached to it and emotional about it, but I don't feel as like i think connected to
0: it. I think for both of us actually, um this has turned into a very personal uh but i, I think but it should it's it's about what our experiences are I think for both of us, really that period of time in our lives. To me, it feels a million miles away, too. Like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like I'm the same person that I was at that time. I look back on that and I'm like, I can't believe that was my life. Yeah. You know, and not that it was like, you know, for me it wasn't like it was a bad life. It's just like it just feels like it I we're
1: not even the same people. Yeah. Like you and I we're still bizarre. friends,
0: but we're like not the same people. Yeah, at all.
1: but but you and I what make us unique is that we both kind of grew up at the same time. Yeah. You yeah. know. So um I wrote this little like thing. I just when I was writing my notes for this, like I was reading things online, but then mm-hmm. I would just start like going nuts and just typing and being yeah, crazy. Good. So um, I wrote no matter what your diagnosis the psyche of these disorders are all relatively similar it is not about the food disordered symptoms are a way of coping with things in your life that you feel you cannot handle in a healthy manner ask anyone with an eating disorder and they will tell you that they simply just want to be thinner that they want to look a certain way well that seems like a much easier problem to fix than your father's alcoholism your rape bullying severe depression and anxiety parents divorce etc um, and another thing that's really important to know is that most people with an eating disorder have experienced rape or sexual violence, um, and they feel that their body no longer belongs to them. Mm-hmm. This is a common thread to the point where I could almost go into a treatment center and every single person would say that they've but had I, experience well, of rape or sexual violence. I, Just I, like in the world, you could pretty much talk well, to anybody.
0: <laughs> I mean, honestly, spend any amount of time watching really any of these shows. If you watch my 600 pound life. If you watch hoarders, if you watch any of these
1: shows where people have compulsions,
0: yep. Almost always there's trauma, most yep. likely sexual trauma.
1: Yeah, well and then especially for eating disorders I feel like if or, you've or gone through, Yeah, if you've gone through sexual trauma, there is something about your body not being your own anymore. And there is something gratifying about taking your body and your life back into your own hands, and you thinking that that's a good way to do things. And people in their eating disorders don't feel in their bodies; Mm -hmm. they they don't feel connected with it. And I feel like people who are victims of sexual violence very much feel the same way; Mm -hmm. they don't feel like they have ownership over their bodies. Yeah, and And those two things go together. It's
0: very similar with
1: like drug use as well. Like I think like you want to feel as disconnected from yourself, like, you know yeah. what I mean? and it's weird because it's like, you know, I wasn't doing any, like, drugs, but my time that I have my eating disorder is so blurry. Yeah. Like, I really don't have any great well, your memories. brain
0: wasn't functioning. No,
1: and what's crazy is, and this is something that they say, they say that, um... Your worst day without an eating disorder is better than your best day with an eating Mm -hmm. disorder. And it's so true because I had times that I should be looking back on fondly and as happy times. And it's so – I'm just like, oh, my God, I wasn't happy. Like, there's nothing – like, it's like everything is almost in, like, sepia tone in my memory a little bit. Like, it's just – everything is clouded. And I had good times – But it's so, like, I can barely remember It's foggy. It's not tangible. Yeah. And it's like suddenly when I started feeling better, it's like someone turned the light on. Yeah. And suddenly those memories are back.
0: Um, I want to touch on something really quickly before we move on from different Mm -hmm. types of eating disorders. Because this is obviously not a um, classically defined eating disorder. It's not in the DSM or anything like that. But I have seen it on the rise and definitely, like, seen articles written about it. Um there's something that people are calling drunkorexia. Yep. Where you restrict your calorie intake throughout the day specifically so that you can one make up those calories in alcohol yep. and two you can save money, get drunk quicker because you haven't eaten. ...anything throughout the day.
1: Yes. And I think that that is a really, really common thing that people do. It's so dangerous. Yeah. It's so dangerous. Especially if you're someone who doesn't have a lot of money and you maybe uh, rely on alcohol for things. That would be an easier thing to do is to not spend money on food and just spend money on alcohol. Well, and it's a good way to to remain thin because
0: if you do that, anytime I go out drinking... It's never intentional, but if I go out to, like, have a good time and I didn't eat during the day inevitably I'm going to be throwing up. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's a good way to kind of be like, I don't have an eating disorder, but at the same time you are intentionally doing things that will keep you Yes,
1: And a lot of times substance abuse and eating disorders also go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. When I was at Montanito, they would take a group of girls to AA every week um sometimes twice a week sometimes every day if they needed it Mm -hmm. and um you know most of the girls that I was in treatment with like hated it and they were like I don't have a problem and the whole thing but it's like if you've ever you know used drugs or alcohol in any way even if it was just a small way they would take you to AA for me they took me to Al-Anon and it was so boring at least AA you hear people like telling their horror stories and it's like funny because it's you Al-Anon is just depressing (laughs) Cause it's all like people's family members and stuff, and it's like, yeah. oh, it's so depressing. But it was very helpful as well. But it it really does go hand in hand as well. As I'm gonna keep saying, eating disorder really is it's just a perfect storm of things, and mm-hmm. it, it it's never just one thing. You're I feel like you're never just in one category, and you're never you're not necessarily gonna stay in one category. Mm-hmm. It changes, it evolves, and if you never get help for it, you're never gonna have it be. Fixed. So I want to talk a little bit about um, the importance of focusing on recovery mm-hmm. and the importance on focusing on um, a new life for yeah. yourself. A big thing that really helped me was my lack of focus on numbers. Um I would go, like anyone, when you see a number of something, you can go into a tailspin when it has to do with your food. You know yeah. what I mean? People are showing calorie counters everywhere, like on their, the menus for restaurants and yeah. stuff. They, um, you know, checking your weight is, is such an important thing to people and things like that. And numbers also affect people who have never been specifically diagnosed. People who are healthy can just, it can be just as I say, quote unquote, healthy, um, can be just as obsessed with them in an unhealthy way. Right. This is a big thing for me. I would highly recommend to people, you know, you don't have to take what I say as gospel. Sharing your weight can be incredibly dangerous Mm -hmm. um, because weight is different on everybody. Mm -hmm. One person can be... 130 pounds and look one way, and someone can be 200 pounds and look one way. One person can be 100 pounds and look, you know, one way. Everybody's definition of healthy for their body is different for the way their body naturally is. Mm-hmm. So for me, I've really been conscious of sharing my weight number because now I do know it. I, ha- I didn't weigh myself for years and years. I mean, I don't know what I am right now, but um, I really urge people not to share their own weights, Mm -hmm. or set a goal weight for yourself necessarily. Like don't urge yourself to get to a certain number because it's never going to be low enough. Um, And just kind of start, you know, keeping some of that information to yourself if you do have that sort of information. I have a quote, but if I don't weigh myself, how will I know that I'm healthy? (laughs) I think that can so easily be debunked. People say you should weigh yourself all the time. Weigh yourself in the morning. Weigh yourself at night. Yada, 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 yada. There are other clues that your body gives you to know that you're healthy. You do not need a number on the scale to tell you
0: that you're healthy. And like like I said, we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago. But yeah, I have a scale. Ever since that last time I weighed myself, I have not weighed myself again. Because I just really thought, like, this this isn't helpful to me. Because I'm... Fluctuating up and down every single because day. Because we
1: all do. Yeah, and Because so, we're human beings and our bodies have to adapt yeah, so to what we're doing. Your body is taking care of yourself. It's <laughs> putting
0: me in a panic whenever yeah. I'm three pounds heavier than I was yesterday and I'm like, oh, what did I do wrong?
1: Maybe I need to do Maybe this or that. Maybe you had an extra glass of water. Who right, the exactly, fuck knows? Exactly. It doesn't there's nothing to that that has any sort of worth or true yeah. m- measure of any yeah. kind or even of your health yeah. it really isn't a clear determination of your health it is important for doctors to weigh you mm-hmm. i would highly encourage anybody who has any disordered thoughts about their body or about their food to turn their backs on the scale when they're at the doctors and tell them not to tell them your weight you can they can tell you if you're healthy or not and go through a checklist in your mind do i feel alive today yes Do I have the energy that I need today? Yes. Do I feel sluggish? Yes or no. Go through a mental checklist in your body of the way that you feel, Mm -hmm. not the number that's on a scale, not the number of calories that are in things. And the other thing is that people have such a lack of trust in their bodies. Your body is going to take care of you. By having one big meal or a slice of cake or things like that, your body is going to take care of you. Yeah. It wants to take care of you. It wants to be healthy for you. Yeah. And you have to start trusting that you're going to be okay no matter what. And that your body and its natural way of taking care of you is perfect the way it is. I think it's hard. I think a lot of people, especially for me growing up,
0: I see so much. I mean, and I I love my parents, you know, I love my parents. But, like, I see so much, especially in the way that, like, my, my dad, my stepdad, he's my dad, but just in case people are confused, since I yeah. did say that my dad died in an early episode. Yeah. Um, When my dad, I remember him specifically, my brother and I would come home from school, and him and my mom would be working out. We had, like, exercise machines in the house, and we wanted them to pay attention to us. And I remember one time my dad said to me, um, well, do you want mommy and daddy to be fat? Um. And I was just like... He's
1: like, well, then we need to we need to do this. Well, yeah, because people have fat and bad as being the same, right, or ugly, or things like that, which is a common when we were growing up, especially. I feel like was a very like common. There wasn't any
0: ill intentions it wasn't no, like meant to not. be harmful but that is the kind of language that i grew and it's up around. stuck in your brain yeah, like that
1: particular of, memory is in your brain right forever. right.
0: all of these things i yeah, i have things like that remember too. my my female family members in particular being very critical of their bodies but my dad too like very yep. critical of his body and yep. very focused on being being fit and being in shape to the point yep. of like obsession almost, you know what I mean? I want to
1: talk a little bit about mindful eating. And Mm -hmm. if you don't know a lot about it, read more about it. I'm going to give you a very... I'm I'm not an expert on it, so I'm going to give you a very broad definition here. Um, In America, everything that we do is fast. We want to eat fast. We want to get to things faster because we want to get more done. That's the society that we live in right now. And I think what's important for all of us is to remember to slow down and to enjoy things. Food is not meant just to get you from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. We're not cars. We don't just need gas to go. Food is supposed to be an important part of life for you to enjoy. So when we actually stop, take a breath, and enjoy our food and are mindful of while we're eating, your body is going to tell you when it is full, when it needs more, and you don't have to worry about focusing so much on the portion size because your body, you know, once you start eating healthy, you know, if you're, if you have been eating in an unhealthy way, mindful eating is not something you can do right away. You have to be following a meal plan. You know, there's other things that are important, but once you kind of accomplish that step, focusing on mindful eating is so important. And for me, you know, it's like, I try to never get to that point of like, food coma unless I'm at the Cheesecake Factory and I want (laughs) to eat all of my food, which is fine. That's normal eating that I want to be overly full. You know what I mean? Because it's fucking good. And so, but for me on a day-to-day basis, I don't want to stop eating and still be hungry. I don't want to stop eating and feel so full that I can't go on with the rest of my day. By focusing on what my body is telling me as I'm eating and really truly enjoying the flavor of what I'm eating and the taste. I'm not saying that I don't always, you know, sometimes I do have to eat fast and just get through life and whatever. But to have your meal eating experience be an experience is a healthy way to go about eating. And your body will start telling you what it needs. Right. I mean, and this is all not to say
0: also just eat whatever because for me sometimes I will get into habits of like eating whatever I want like you know it it, there's hills and valleys where I'm just like eh, I just want to eat nothing but like like fast food or like nothing but sugar and then my body will be like if
1: you don't eat a goddamn salad (laughs) <laughs> we, like, well, that's is, is the thing is that on you. <laughs> you can eat fast food and sugar, but listen to your body on what it's needing. Your body because, still
0: needs nutrients. Yeah. You still well, need look, to,
1: like, look at, like, animals. Like, right. I look at Dorothy. I didn't get her her crunchy food for a few days because I was so busy, so I was mm-hmm. just feeding her her mushy food, and she started eating grass outside. Yeah. Because she wanted—there was something that she was missing in right. that food that she wasn't getting. Right. So listen to your body in that way, too. Yeah. And, and make There's sure There's a primal that you are, sense, you know?
0: Yeah. Make sure that you are— you know, your body is taking care of you. You need to take care of your body, too.
1: Yep. And kind of going off of what I was saying earlier about not sharing your weight, uh, comparisons, I feel like, are such a thing in, in the world that we uh, rely on and judge ourselves for. Um I said, stop telling the world how much or how little you're eating. Even a healthy person will compare themselves. That's something that I see all the time on Facebook, all the time on Instagram. I'm not saying you can take a selfie of your food, you can whatever, but for me, I feel like we don't need to be telling the world, oh my God, I only ate... A handful of reasons today because it kind of can, it because for different people, it'll come off in different ways. Mm-hmm. And for somebody who doesn't have a healthy mindset of food of their body, which is most people, they may take it a certain way. Right. Um, yeah. And I think
0: this kind of ties in when we're talking about comparisons because. When, for people who don't know, like what thin inspiration is, and yep. it's been banned across our pro Anna yep. um, sites, these have been banned across several different um, social media platforms yep. where people will show pictures of extremely thin girls yep. usually.
1: And oh, yeah, look at I my had,
0: thigh gaps, look at my ribs. Oh, yeah,
1: I had mood boards, right. upon mood yeah. boards and would spend hours on those websites. Yeah, look at my collarbones. So that
0: you can get inspired to continue to lose weight. Yeah. And that is something that I think we as a society... Have and give
1: tips. And give
0: tips and yeah. tricks. And I think we as a society have, have wholly kind of looked at that and said, this is bad. But what we've allowed to be more acceptable are these fitspiration boards yep. where it's like, maybe it's not like super, super thin women, but it's, like, very, very small women with cut abs. Yeah. You know, and they're usually, like, headless women of just, like, a torso of, like, big boobs and, like, you know, cut abs and things like that. And you're comparing yourself to these images, which are very often not even realistic. No. They're still photoshopped yep they're
1: still they're just not real people and and there are different stages of, of different body types that are desirable you know in the 80s it was one type of body in the 90s it was one type of body we are in the world of everyone wanting to look like, like a kardashian right now and there is not one type of body you do not have to fit that standard to be uh accepted and right um, in fact, stand out, like, dare to stand right. out and have something different and, and be proud of it.
0: And, um, speaking of the Kardashians, this is kind of a little off subject from
1: Fitspiration,
0: but I think that the Kardashians are an example of that, um... Kind of comparison situation where yeah. you see Chloe, you see Khloe Kardashian in her waist trainer doing squats Ugh. in her waist trainer. I was like, and girl, then, you should have stayed the way you are. You were so inspiring well, compared I mean, to your sister. But speaking of the Kardashians, there was something, and I don't know if you've seen it, that really got my blood boiling, and I don't know if you've um, been aware of this, but mm-hmm. Kim Kardashian posted an Instagram and is now shilling these appetite suppressant lollipops. <sighs> And she changed the... Originally, she put appetite suppressant in the, like, caption of the photo. I looked yesterday, and the photo is still up, but she changed the caption to remove that, that piece of information from it, because she got, rightfully so, a lot of blowback, because
1: if your body is telling you it's hungry, you need to eat. You need to eat. And... And it's not, It's not like, something that you, like, want to do or not want to do. You need to eat. And
0: seeing one of the most influential women in the world who has millions upon millions of of followers or, yeah. or you know, people who are it's looking up to her. It's incredibly harmful. And especially it
1: because it's a lot of young girls, too, so and So
0: damaging. It yeah. is so damaging. And honestly, as someone who you know, like... I, I don't love everything that they do, but I'm not one of those people who's going to just, like, rail against the Kardashians. It's not, like, my my thing. Yeah. But to me, it, it did make me lose a lot of respect for her because yeah. I was just, like, showing workouts is one thing. I think waist trainers are harmful. I think all of this can be yeah. can be well, bad. Straight up saying
1: you need something to suppress your appetite is yeah. beyond yeah. like to me. And guys, be be aware of the workout stuff that you post on your social media. Be aware of, of how certain content can affect people. I have a, a difficult time with Demi Lovato. Mm-hmm. She went through treatment the same time that I did. I have people that were in, friends of mine that were in treatment with her and say she's lovely. I'm sure she's a lovely person. But to be somebody who is all about body acceptance and then and someone who even says that sometimes they still struggle with eating disorder symptoms and to be so fit crazy. Like she's like all about, you know, exercising and do you think, do you think she's fit crazy because of
0: image or do you think she's fit crazy? Because sometimes in order to deal with depression, I know a lot of
1: people who have dealt with depression by working out because it releases endorphins and it makes you feel better. But she is in recovery. There is something very different about mm-hmm. that, and to be someone who is an open supporter of recovery and eating disorders, mm-hmm. and then to turn around and be showing video upon video and photo and showing that look, this is the, uh, look, I'm I'm recovering and I'm doing this other thing that's very body focused for somebody who is in a healthy state to be fit and to be working out is one thing, but someone who is open about being in recovery, mm-hmm. that is harmful. So do you and that is like... giving an example to people that I feel like is incredibly harmful. Do you feel and like she, she will even talk about her body change. And that's frustrating to yeah. me. Do you feel like she just transferred her obsession Yes, from one thing 100%. to another? 100%. Because she's still going after that same outcome. She still wants to fit a certain mold. She looks completely different now than she did when she Mm -hmm. came out of treatment. Granted, I look different now than I did when I came out of treatment because I had to get my body to a certain um, BMI. BMI? Yes. Yes. And and then my body, after I was... uh, This is the thing. If I am going to give anybody a piece of advice who's in recovery, stick to your goddamn meal plan. Do it. Get an actual nutritionist dietitian who knows what they're doing set a meal plan for yourself and follow that like that shit is your bible mm-hmm. that's what I did almost to the point of like if I didn't eat everything I needed that I would start like panicking and mm-hmm. I would have to call my dietitian and she would have to like talk me off a ledge Yeah. but for real that shit is your life that is all you need to focus on 100% and until you are at a point where you can eat mindfully and choose what you want and when you're hungry you should not do anything anything to mess with your body mm. you shouldn't because it's so easy to transfer our obsessions to different right. things yeah. and that's what I did my entire life right I stopped working out I'm just now starting to work out a little bit because I want to have a little bit more energy in my life and because it feels good but it's it's seven minutes a day that's it, right. and not even every day. It's and, when I can do it. Yeah,
0: I mean, and you could work. You like if it's something because I do feel like for for a lot of people, exercise is a is a hobby. It's something they very much enjoy. Yes, and I think,
1: and if that's something that you truly enjoy. Right find a way to enjoy it. I have friends that love to run. Right. They just love to run. But running was a part of their eating disorder. Mm-hmm. So that was part of their recovery yeah, process. They had to cut back on it. They cut back on it. They monitored it. They had almost kind of like a meal plan for their exercise, what yeah. they were allowed to do. And that's why it's so important to talk to a professional mm-hmm. and to have all these things figured out because you, you don't have the mind to do it yourself. You yeah. just don't. I think a lot of this all just comes back to being very conscious yep.
0: of not only your body, but your habits, but your in, your intentions yeah. and and all of these things. Just being very mindful yes. of not just your eating, but the other habits in your life and how you're dealing with those. Yeah. And I know a reason why we wanted to do this as kind of um, the close to mental health month Um is because it it does kind of factor into everything else. It's like you just need to be conscious of when you're struggling, whether that's with anxiety or with an eating disorder or with depression. Just be in your body and let your body kind of tell you where you're at.
1: And get and if you can't be in your body and see where you're at, that's when you need to get help and you need somebody to guide you. And if you don't have the money, there are resources out there because that is something that I will always use as an excuse, and I know it's bullshit. You know, there are people... you can reach out through there are books that you can read, there are ways to do it, you cannot trust yourself, and I'm speaking specifically to those who are trying to recover from something You cannot do it by yourself, and you do not have the means to do it by yourself because you are not in a healthy state of mind. So don't think that you're, you know, different than everybody else. You know, I thought that, oh, well, I'm not going to get to my goal weight, but I'm still going to be recovered and live my life, and mm -hmm. that doesn't happen. You have to give yourself Mm -hmm. over to professionals. And
0: to kind of piggyback on what you just said, um, I know that a lot of times with treatment and recovery and rehab and all of those things it can feel like a very privileged situation because they're not cheap. And a nope. lot of people don't have insurance or have money to deal with these kinds of things. If you're yep. in a less privileged position, um, there are still things that you can do. There's still resources. Yeah, and there are still hotlines you can call.
1: There are laws that, that they are trying to pass. I was very lucky when I went to treatment because in Minnesota, there was a young girl named Anna Weston who died um, years and years ago and her mother Kitty uh, wanted to have her death certificate changed from, you know, her cause of death was like heart failure or something, and she had it changed to, no, she died of anorexia. Mm-hmm. So she is, she's an amazing woman and she had a lot of things changed. I went to the Anna Weston house as, as my first treatment center. So Minnesota, because they were like sued and um, the insurance company was sued because the, because her daughter died. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They they refused to give her enough time and treatment. The, the daughter died. So I was, like, protected when I was on my parents' insurance. Oh, my God. I could have been in treatment for years if I yeah. needed it, you know? Yeah. And that sucked for me because I was like, get me out of here. And they were like, nope, you're not leaving. You're not leaving. You're not leaving. Yeah. And um, so Minnesota especially is very guarded when it comes to that kind of stuff. There are grants that you can get. There are kind of, like, scholarships. People in that community are going to pull for you as much as they can. I have friends who have been in and out of treatment so many times. And I can't even think where they'll go for like two weeks and then a week and then three weeks because their insurance is so shitty. So we're trying to make these policies change and help this world become more accept more, um, more. Sus- Why can't I think acceptable uh, cost, uh, cost effective. Sure. Sure. I can't think i my brain well, is okay. going a million okay. miles an hour and It's such a a frustrating—I did a a project about that in college, too, where, like, the insurance companies need to start validating this as as a necessity. Mm -hmm. Same thing with rehab and drug addiction. It is a necessity or else people are going to continue to die. Yeah,
0: yeah. We need to change—and we need to change the stigma around— addictions of of any kind, mental health in general. But like, to me, I see eating disorders very much along the same lines as as any other kind of compulsion, any other kind of addiction. Yeah, because it does feel like that. We have to change the way that we look at these sorts of things. We have to stop looking at hoarders and just saying, why don't you throw it all away? We have to stop looking at people who are obese and saying, why can't you stop eating? Or people who have anorexia and saying, why can't you just start eating? Yeah, You know, we have to, and people, you know, who are using drugs. And saying, "Why can't you just stop using drugs?" Yeah, there's there's so much stigma around this, and we
1: just need to re. We need to keep having yeah more knowledge about it. Absolutely, and start focusing on the people and not the issue. Absolutely. Yeah. So
0: we're going to put um, links to resources in our show notes. we are not experts, as we said at the top of this episode, yep. but Madigan in particular does have a lot of life experience about this, so if... Yeah,
1: if there's anybody out there that wants to talk... Absolutely. I, you know, I'm one of those people where I am, I'm not going to be anybody's therapist. I am also very tough love when it comes to people with eating disorders, because I've been through it and I need a tough love. Um, but I can be a great source of information and support in ways that I can give it, and... um you know the the best thing that I can tell people is that there's there's more to life than the way you're feeling right now, right? And, and that goes for all all mental illness. Yes, I feel like it is. And I mean, just I you know I think. I think back on myself during that time and I wish that I could show a picture of what my life is now to that person because I didn't think that there would be a life beyond that and I yeah. really I really wanted my life to end. I was done. I was yeah. ready for everything to be over. So the fact that I have the life now that I do is is such a' is such a blessing. Mm-hmm. And I have such a sense of pride that I've gotten myself through it. And, yeah. I, and I want to be different than everybody else now because I want to make a difference. I don't want to look like everybody yeah. else. I don't want to do things like everybody else because I want to be that person for somebody that yeah. can say, if she did it and she's doing it her way and she's doing her life her way, I can do life my way too. Mm-hmm. And not have to live in agony Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could, you know, I could I could talk about this stuff for hours. I could go into more detail about what it's like to be in treatment. I could go into detail about what it's like to be in recovery. We would be here for five hours. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's, you know, maybe maybe one day I'll talk more about. Um, just treatment life. I'm sure
0: you'll absolutely have
1: in opportunities general, to
0: talk more about all yeah, of that. Because I
1: gotta say, as much as like I'm glad that I'm done with my eating disorder, I miss like being healthy and still like living in those houses. Right. Cause it's like it's like being in a sorority house almost and like you have so much fun and like Things are planned for you, and you grow such tight bonds with people. That's like camp. Yeah. Like, yeah, you always, yeah. Miss, you always miss that. Once you know? you're, like, better, <laughs> when you're sick, you look back on it, and you're like, fuck, that was the worst. But when you're better, you look back, and, you're like, and I'm like, fuck, I had food made for me every meal of the day. Yeah. It was, like, ready for me. It was something different and good. And then, you know, I think of myself in the beginning, and they would give us, like, the week's menu, and I would see pizza on Friday, and I'd be like, ah! Yeah. And, like, freak out, and now I'd be like, pizza? Yeah. Sick! So... Um, if
0: you want to reach out to us, you can do so on our Instagram, which is Angry Neighborhood Feminist. Uh, you can also email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. If you want to uh, creep on our personal lives, if you want to see how great Madigan's life is now, you can mm-hmm. follow her on Instagram at She's Mad Again, all one word. You can follow me on Instagram at Keegan.Winfield. I realized that I gave my wrong tweet. This is how little I'm on Twitter. So if you went on Twitter and tried to find me at Keegan.win, you wouldn't have because that's not my Twitter handle. What's your Twitter handle? Keegan underscore win. Oh. So if you want to follow me there, feel free. Um thank you so much, Madigan, for for being open and honest and having this conversation. And I really, really it was great for me to hear. And I really hope that other people get some value. From I wish the stuff I could you say had to more.
1: share, I could feel like I didn't do enough. <laughs> I, I, we can do more. Yeah, like, you
0: know, we'll, we're definitely going to have body image issues and body positivity issues. This is, oh yeah, there's or, lots you know, of
1: there's lots of other episodes. avenues. I just always want to make sure that I'm I'm covering doing, your bases, and that I'm doing you know the people that taught me, I want to do them justice, and yeah. that's something. And I always want to make sure that I'm saying the right thing and doing the right thing. Well, you
0: definitely shared some stuff with me that I didn't know, so I'm sure that. Other people will feel the same way and yeah. will take something from from what you were able to share
1: in your experience. I hope so. so. And, um, yeah, I, I love you guys dearly. Thank you so much to everybody who reaches out to us on a daily basis. It warms my heart. It makes all of those horrible messages that we get from other people and hateful messages, yeah. it makes it worth it. Um, and... Yeah, let's see. Did we cover all of our... Oh, you can follow us on Twitter at uh, YAMF Podcast, Y-A-N-F Podcast. Yeah, we have the Facebook group, which is in the link in our bio on Instagram. Check it, guys. Join it. I want to have a bigger part in that. Um, Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Radio Public would be awesome if you could listen there. Um, You can pretty much find find us on Spotify. Anywhere that you can listen um, to podcasts, you can find us please do us a solid and go on iTunes and rate and review us. That really helps us out. And tell your
0: friends because word of mouth yeah, is the best. Yeah, for
1: real. Yeah.
0: But I guess with that, I think we did cover all of our bases. And I hope that this has been a um, happy, productive mental health month for everyone. Yep. We're at the end of May, which seems so crazy. This episode I will come out on Memorial Day. But I really hope that We're all struggling with stuff. Everyone is struggling with something. I know I am. Um, It's, you know, stuff that I deal with every single day. And I have to be very mindful of overcoming um, those issues for myself.
1: Do the harder thing, guys. Yeah. Put the work in.
0: Yeah, put the work in. And really... Try and understand that whatever you're going through right now is temporary yep. and there is something better on the other side. And bigger. I promise. Yeah. I promise.
1: And I'm going to end with a quote that everyone always uses that Montanito that I love. <laughs> and they say, bigger jeans, bigger life. Yeah. And, um, that was always something that made me chuckle and helps me when yeah. I, you know. Who needs a thigh gap? Yeah. yeah. Unless it's, your body's just shaped that way, it's, then it's, that's yeah, fine. Then, uh, well, and that's the thing, is that people's bodies are shaped that way, and that's why they have a fi- thigh gap, people. <laughs> ugh, we're so, ugh, Okay, with that said, forever. I think. Yeah, okay. With that, we encourage you <laughs> to, to rage, rage on. on. Bye, guys. I love you. Bye-bye. Hey guys, it's Madigan here. I am going to read you some helpful information, hopefully as promised. If you are an international listener and you're worried about finding the right place for you, there is a lovely website that is www.feast-ed.com. And there's a worldwide list of eating disorder advocacy organizations. You can click on whatever one that matches your country or place of residence, and it will give you more specific information about treatment centers and help for you. Because I am so thankful to Montanito, I'm going to give you more information about them. Their phone number for information and admission is 310-457-9958. Their other phone number is 888-826-2320, or you can email them at montanitoadmissions at montanito.com. If you or someone you know is considering suicide and you want to get some help, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255, and they are available 24 hours a day, every day. And if you're a teen specifically and you want to maybe get some help specifically for your age group, you can call 1-800-273-8255. I hope that I have given you all the help that you could need. I'm sure there's so much more out there and I just want you all to know that you are supported in this journey and I love you very, very much. Ray John.